If you'll join us in turning to Luke chapter 16, we're going to look at a parable today. In order to set this parable up, we've been talking about blessings for the last several weeks, and uh, today I want to talk about how you handle a blessing. Some of you got a lot of stuff at Christmas time, and so you were blessed and you were given gifts, and now the question is, what are you going to do with the gifts that you were given? Not only is there being able to receive, but it's being able to handle. And, and so here's the thing. One day when you were old, and none of you are, none of you are old. One day, though, when you're old, the last thing I want to happen is for you to look back on your life and feel like you wasted it. So just let that sink in. That's going to be the prevailing thought for today is that we don't want you to wake up one day in the future when you feel like you have lived most of your life and you're looking back on things and you feel like you, you wasted the blessings of God and the favor of God, uh, the, the opportunities that, that God gave you. And that is something that I believe applies to every person that is in the room, whether you are young or you are old, whether you are rich or whether you are poor. It doesn't matter there's going to be that time in our life where we're going to look back over things. And you're going to start wondering, is the things that I put my hands to and my time in, is it worth it? Was it, was it well spent? Did I, did I do the things that God wants me to do? And so today this is a message about handling blessings. The Bible might call that stewardship. So if you, you hear that word stewardship, you know we're talking about the same thing. Stewarding, managing, handling your business, your stuff, the things that God puts into your hands. So in Luke chapter 16, I want to tell you a little bit of this parable. What we have here is one of the more confusing parables that Jesus tells. Because in this case... He doesn't bring out somebody who represents God or, or who represents someone that's good. The story is about someone who does a bad thing. But God says, boy, he's shrewd in doing it. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. Some uh, people call this the unrighteous steward. So here's what you have. You have a, a manager, a steward, who has not managed his owner's possessions and wealth properly. And, and so... He understands that he's going to get called in and called to an account for the poor job that he's done of managing his owner's things. And he's going to be dismissed. And he says to himself, man, I can't dig a ditch and I'm too proud to beg. <laughs> I, I think that applies to a lot of us sometimes, right? I, I don't want to do too much hard stuff, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to beg. What am, what am I going to do? I'm about to lose my job and everything that I have. So he gets clever. You ever notice how clever you can become when things get bad? How creative you can be? Yeah, he gets creative all of a sudden. His creative juices start flowing. He says, I've got it. I know what I'll do. I will go to Alicia because Alicia owes my owner some stuff, and I'm going to cut her a deal. And Alicia will be grateful for it, and I'll make some stuff back for my owner, and it'll be good. And then Alicia will feel like she owes me something. Some of y'all have had friends like that, right? That they didn't do you a favor. They did something in order to get some favor down the road. Yeah, this guy wasn't doing it out of the kindness of his heart. He knows he's going to be without a job, potentially without a place to stay. And when he does, he's going to be able to call on Alicia and see if she can help him out. Then he goes over here and, 
And he, and he looks at Jackie and he says, Jackie, I know you owe some stuff too, and I'm going to cut you a deal too. What can you pay? Kind of reduces it down. And again, he does it because he knows that he can go to Jackie at some point in the future and maybe he won't starve. And now here is what Jesus says. Think of it this way. Jesus is going to start kind of broadly, and then he's going to drill down into things as we read. And what we're going to do is start at the drilling down and build back up. That makes sense? Even if not, just follow along. Here we go. Verse 9. Here's Jesus' commentary on this parable. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. Hmm, that's odd. Make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. And in Scripture, you'll hear things about God and mammon. You ever heard of that? Mammon is worldly wealth. That's what he's talking about here is where he's focusing on this worldly wealth. And so he's saying that you make friends for yourself by means of worldly things so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, this part gets easier. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Mammon. Now, a couple of things to talk about here. This thing of mammon. Either you will take control over mammon and it will serve you, or mammon will take control over you and you will serve it. Got it? Fundamental principle of Scripture is that if you do not make the things of this world that you have serve you, you will end up serving it. Dave Ramsey does this stuff on finances, which are absolutely great. If you're looking for a, a 2021 plan to improve your finances, Dave Ramsey is absolutely amazing. And here's what he says. Fundamental principle. You either manage your money or your, man, your money will manage you. Man, every young person in the world needs to hear that right before they go get a job. You better manage your money or your money's going to manage you. Now, here's the thing. You need to take the things that you have and put them into submission to you, but then you need to have a kingdom mindset. You see, you can be, contr you can be controlling the things of your life but you're being self-serving and selfish in it. And that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, take care of your stuff so that then your stuff helps you with this vision that you have for life, which, by the way, is a kingdom vision. See, if you're being selfish, your vision's too small. A selfish person is a person living too small. What you need is a kingdom-sized vision to be a part of the kingdom of what God is doing here on the earth. So one, you got to manage your stuff so your stuff doesn't manage you. And then the other thing is you have to learn how to steward other people's stuff 
before you can be trusted to have your own stuff. Wow. Wait, what? We don't even think about that sometimes. Young people, if there's anybody listening, some parents at home, our kids, and as kids, you have to learn how to take care of the stuff that mom and daddy gave you. You got to learn to take care of the car that mom and daddy gave you. You got to learn to be able to clean up your room, Caden. Oh, I'm sorry. He told me last week, he said, you were picking on me the last week. You preached that just for me. I was talking about taking the Lord's name in vain. And I said, well, that's true. About eight other people came to me and said I was preaching directly to them. <laughs> I said, so maybe it's not you. Maybe it's us. And I think there's an us problem as you're young is you don't realize that in taking care of your parents' stuff, God is actually being, preparing you to take care of your own things. Then when you get that first job, and you start working for somebody, you need to know that you need to represent that person well, not just you. Huh? Somehow that's falling off the table in the world today. Wait a minute, you mean when I go to work, I'm supposed to be looking out for my, my own, the owner of the business, the manager of the company? Yes. Yes. Because if you look down in the bottom right-hand corner, he pays you. <laughs> He's paying you to do something. And you need to represent his interest well. One of the most important things you can ever do is learn how to steward other people's stuff. Because if you can't steward other people's stuff, God can't trust you with your own stuff. There are a lot of people who want to do great things in the world. And they're trying to figure out how to do great things. But they're not taking care of the, the people who are in charge of their life right now. And so it's a fundamental principle that wherever you are, learn to make the people who are over you, if there are any, make them better. And I promise you, God will bless you for it. Now, let's get really practical because he's talking about stewardship and he's talking about being faithful. And he says, he who is faithful in a very little thing. And so here is part of that same principle. Whatever God has given you, placed in your life, you have to preserve what God has given you. Now, let's be very practical. I've used this example before. If you have a car, change the oil in that doggone thing. You know? Because then when it blows up and you can't figure out why, I'll come back and remind you if you need me to. You've never changed the oil. You know, you, you never upkept the car. Did you think it was going to run forever? Yeah. And, and so oftentimes God blesses us with things, but we don't think about having to take care of those things. And so if God gives you a car, keep some tires on it that are good. We don't want you trying to stop running in the back of us. Change the oil. I'll get in trouble here, but I think you ought to wash the thing. You know, I'm meddling, right? I'm meddling. I know, but I told you, I drove an old vehicle, and I didn't think it mattered if I washed it or not, and I was praying for a new one. I told you this a couple of weeks ago, and I said, God, I sure would like to have something new, and God said, well, you don't even wash the one I gave you. You may think that's funny. That thing turned my whole world around. It got me thinking about everything. 
not just a, a vehicle, but it got me thinking about everything that God had placed into my care. And I started thinking, am I taking care of the things that I currently have? Because if I'm letting them deteriorate and fall apart, then if God gives me more, guess what I'll do? I'll let that fall apart too. Do you know God can't give someone something who continually lets things fall apart? Because he gives it to you and you'll let it be destroyed. Ooh, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have come today. These are hard, but I tell you, they'll change us. And then, before we steward things, <laughs> yeah, Baron, you're, you're ahead of me. Before you steward things, you've got to learn to steward yourself. Before, before you can fix anything outside of you, you have to be able to fix the thing that is inside of you. Isn't it amazing that we all have opinions on how to fix the world? We can all solve all the problems of the world. And all of your friends can too. We can all do it. And yet the reality is every day we get up and we're disappointed and we're frustrated and we're depressed. Not because the world is not doing what we want it to do. But because we can't manage ourselves. You're frustrated because you can't manage yourself. Now here's why it's so easy to think we can manage Presidents and world leaders and coaches and other people and other parents, all that stuff, why we think we can do that. Here's why. Different psychologists have different ways of saying this, but one of them I was listening to this, this past week, he said it this way. He said, when you want to change yourself, you automatically feel the pushback from that almost right away. You ever notice that whenever you decide that you're going to change something about your life, it feels like everything comes against you to stop you from doing it like I want to get up early in the morning oh no you don't you want to hit the alarm clock snooze button that's what you want to do you know you 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 want to start reading your bible more and you you go oh why is it so hard I'm, I'm so I, I well I didn't get up on time so now I got to rush out of the house and now I can't read the bible everything you want to do personally you you can't seem to do it there's this pushback and you have to fight against that pushback I'll tell you it, it will not go away. It's not going to be one day that you wake up and just mysteriously you go, you know what? Now I just want to get up every day. Now I just, every day I just get up and I just want to read my Bible every day. Did you know that it's reading your Bible that makes you hungry to read the Bible? <laughs> you don't wake up one day and go, if I could just want to read the Bible. You know what you got to do? Just get up and read the Bible. And when you start reading the Bible, you get hungry for the Bible. But you feel that pushback. And then... You might even think that you're a little bit smarter than that, and you decide that you want to go and change your spouse. And everybody who is married just looked at me and went, because y'all all know that's trouble, right? Like if you want to know how to get in trouble, you just decide that you're going to go fix something on your spouse. In fact, when I do marriage counseling, I have the people look at each other, and I say, will you marry them if they never change? Like, tell me, honestly, can you love this person that you're looking at if they never change? And they've all said yes. And I didn't believe some of them. <laughs> I, I didn't believe them. I really felt like they thought I'm going to marry them and I'm going to change them. But anyway, they all said Absolutely, I can love them if they never change. 
And then you get married and you find some things that frustrate you and you decide that you want to change it. And as soon as you go to that spouse and go to tell them what you think they ought to change, they look at you and go, who do you think you are? Like, let me tell you some things you need to change. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're at war, you know? How did that happen? But, but when you say, you know what, I think I know how to change the world. The world doesn't immediately look at you and go, you're stupid. Bad idea. The world can't talk like that. So you think, I got a great idea to change the world. The problem is the world can't respond to you, so you're dumb enough to think you really know what you're doing. Can I just get honest right here? Because I've done it too. We think we're smart enough to change the world. The reality is the world just didn't know or couldn't speak to us and tell us how dumb we were. (laughs) You cannot change the world until you can change your own family. And you can't change your family until you learn to change yourself. That's why in the Bible when Scripture says you're looking for leaders for a church... It says, go looking right here. Look for people who manage their own households well, who manage their children well. Why? Because if you can't do that, if you can't handle one or two people, you can't handle 50 or 100. Tough truth. Tough truth. But then we don't even just manage ourselves because you're like, how in the world do I manage ourselves? We're going to get down to the quantum level right here. I'm interested in that. It's really smart. I don't know what to do with it, though. It's too smart for me. But quantum is these particles, these smallest of particles. So we're going to get down to the smallest of things. If you're going to manage yourself, you know what you have to manage? You have to manage your thoughts. You have to steward your thoughts. Be faithful in a very little thing. If you're going to be faithful with other stuff that you want God to give you, then you got to be faithful with your family. And before that, you got to be faithful with yourself. And if you're going to be faithful with yourself, you've got to learn to steward your own thoughts. And your thoughts have to line up with the Word of God. And if they don't, your thoughts are broken. And they're going to produce broken things. And when you look around and see things that are broken, you ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing and thinking that is not like God? And then you allow the Word of God to to begin to change your, your thoughts. So we have to steward down to the most basic level. One of the most powerful things, if we were going to steward anything today, if you said, I want to learn to steward things, I would say this, start with your own thoughts. Steward what you're thinking when no one else is watching you, when no one else is listening, when you're all alone. Learn to steward those thoughts and bring them into alignment with God. And then when you do that, you have authority in all these other areas of your life. They will increase. Now, this one, this stewarding of little things, it came from T.D. Jakes. I don't know if he's such a good pastor. When I grow up, I want to preach like him. Oh, I want to preach like him when I grow up. The man can just flat preach. Well, he brought out this thing of how God doesn't give us finished products. He gives us raw materials. And in fact, we don't even realize how raw the raw material is that God gives us. His famous thing is God doesn't give you a table. He doesn't give humanity tables. He gives them trees. And you have to learn to take a tree 
turn it into a table. But most of us are sitting around praying for tables while we're standing in the middle of a forest. <laughs> and, and we're saying, God, I need a table. God, I need a table. And we're standing in the middle of a forest, and God is looking and saying, I can't even count how many tables, and I'm good. There's a lot of tables here, child. Why don't you go, I mean, why don't you go build one? You got every, I give you everything you need, but I gave it to you in, in raw material form. I just preached a funeral for Carol Gerber's. That's Scott and uh, Scott Gerber's mother. And it was amazing. We were leaving their house, and Brantley and I started talking. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This woman is, and, and her husband, Rick, they both passed away recently, are some incredible models for stewardship. So let me tell you about these folks. So here is this lady and this man, Rick and Carol Gerber's. And what Carol wants to be her entire life, she said, Kevin, you know what I wanted to be? I said, what? She said, I want to be a, a, a wife and I wanted to be a mother. And God gave her the desires of her heart. And she took that responsibility and she developed and grew this family that loves the Lord. She took this raw material of being a wife and created a beautiful relationship. She took this raw material of being a mother and started pouring herself into her kids. And, and, and so she developed. I saw this picture. In fact, um, I was forced to go in Hobby Lobby. I did not go by my own accord. I just want to say that as a disclaimer, okay? I did not go to Hobby Lobby all by myself. I went in there with Brantley. We were looking for presents, okay? Amen. Amen. And I saw this I don't know what you call it. It's like words, and they frame them, word art. I don't know. See, I don't go to Hobby Lobby. I don't know, Baron. And it said, they created the life together that they loved. And I thought that was beautiful. Because if you know anything about marriage, you know that you don't just pray for God to give you Mr. Right or Miss Right and then he's going to put all the pieces together and you're just going to be one of those people that can say hashtag blessed out beside your family picture because God just gave you everything. No, he gave you someone with bad breath and bad head and dispositions that are different than you. And he says, I need you to steward that. And when you steward that and you learn to live together, and then together you'll be able to create a life that one day you will look back on and say, we created the life that we love. Wouldn't that be beautiful? You see, Miss Carol, I think she loved the life that her and Rick created. I think she was pleased with, with the outcome of that. They gave her some young people, some teenagers. Woo! Sometimes teenagers can be a mess. Now, I'll tell you, I've been spending some time with our youth, and they are amazing. They are absolutely amazing. And so, parents, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm delighted with the kind of stewardship I think that must be going on for the kids that we have. I'm just absolutely amazed. They spent some of their vacation time cleaning out the warehouse because their backs are better than ours. And they worked hard. But anyway, so... Miss Carol gets these young people, and she told me, she said, Kevin, when I was young, I, I didn't know how to pray. And somebody called on me to pray, and it embarrassed me to death. 
And she said, so when I became a youth leader, she said, one of the first things I wanted to do was make sure that everyone in my youth group knew how to pray. Anita's shaking her head back there, yes, because she raised her hand and said, yes, I'm one of those. And I started thinking about stewarding that blessing that now in heaven, when she heard her well done, I think she will be able to see a whole host of people who are no longer youngins. They're no longer youth. They're grown adults. And God will say, do you see these adults? These adults are having conversations with me on a daily basis. They're calling on me and they're talking to me and I'm talking to them. They know how to talk and how to listen. And you know why? It's because of you, Carol. Because you took some kids... And you taught them how to pray. You stewarded their lives. And that's a good thing. And then there was this kitchen table I got to tell you about. Because you say, what in the world can I do with a kitchen table? Ooh, you know you can do a lot with a kitchen table. Like a lot of things can happen in the kingdom around a kitchen table. In fact, I learned that from, from watching this lady and, and Rick. is that these boys are now adults. Rick and Robbie, they're grown adults. And they would go over to their dad's house every morning to drink coffee with their dad. That's cool. That they could parent in such a way that these boys want to come back even as adults and drink coffee every morning around that table. Boy, you must have stewarded that table pretty doggone well. And then around that table, they discussed the Bible. And they said that sometimes they didn't always agree. And they'd get in these hot debates over who was right. And they'd go get the Bible and they'd set it on this table and they would discuss it. And sometimes they agreed and sometimes they didn't. That's life, isn't it? But they studied the Word of God around this table. And they played board games around this table. And they invited people into their home. And so God gave Rick and Carol Gerber's a kitchen table. And they turned it into an opportunity for ministry. And I thought, how perfect. You see, what we need to do is look around our lives too and not dismiss things and think, well, I just got this old, you know, it ain't much. It's not even a very nice kitchen table. Who said it had to be a nice kitchen table? It just has to be a nice environment around that table. What about a sofa? You say, yeah, but I don't have great furniture and I don't want to invite people in and my house is not perfect and all that kind of stuff. And I would say, you know what? I don't think any of that's a requirement. I think you just need to create an environment that says you're loved here. That, that you're welcome here. And that you can take those things that God has given you and find a way to build the kingdom into it. A couple other things that I just feel like in, in the day in which we live we need to talk about. Sometimes God gives us intelligence. <laughs> and he gives us all different levels of intelligence. But I believe we have a world that looks at things and says that somebody owes me something. And we're waiting for someone to hand us something. But I believe God has put us in a forest full of trees. And he said, I've made you intelligent and I've given you character. And if you'll use intelligence and character and you will pray to me, I will hear your prayers and I will answer you. And I will tell you that the greatest way to keep anyone from holding you back in life is to simply use what God has given you. Use your mind and use your character. And I tell you, nobody can hold you back for very long. There's too many stories of people who would look at you and say, that's not a good excuse. You know, there are times where you want to make an excuse, right? You say, well, I can't, and here's why. But there are people just like you that could come to you and say, yes, you can. 
There's no reason for, for you not to. I ran across a lady one time. She called the church and she needed help. And, and the name sounded familiar. It was so familiar that when you got around pastors, we all shared this woman's name because she called around to everybody. She didn't want to work. She just wanted to call and get handouts. And she was famous. <laughs> and so one day, I had the bright idea. I said, you know what? If I love this woman, then I'm going to tell her the truth. You know I've told you all that before, right? That if you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. Yeah, I didn't tell you it always goes well, did I? <laughs> so this lady calls me, and at first she gives me a name, and it's not a real name, because she gave me somebody's name that I knew, and I said, I know this person, and you're not them. And, she, and when she knew that was up, she, she gave me her real name. I got to make sure I don't say this name out loud. And I said, ma'am, I said, you know, I, as a pastor, I, I feel like I... I need to love you as though you were part of my own church, and I need to tell you the truth about something. She said, okay, what's that? I said, you're famous in Chester. She said, what? I said, yeah. I said, you are famous in Chester. Every pastor I know knows you. She said, why is that? I said, because you go to every one of them and ask for any number of things. And I said, ma'am, it looks like you have been taking advantage of the system and you've been taking advantage of pastors and churches and people who really work hard for things. I said, we've got people in churches and they work real hard to make extra so they can give to churches so that churches can give to people who are really in need. But I don't think you're really in need. I think you're gaming the system. And that did not go well. And I went on and further suggested that as far as I could tell with her, she was able-bodied and she ought to get a job. And she said, do you realize that I can make more not working than I can working? And I said, yes, ma'am. Now, listen to me. I got you all the way here not to talk about this woman, but to talk about this point. She said, I can make more not working than I can working. And I said, yes, ma'am, but that is a sentence to a lifetime of poverty. Now, hear me on that one. She was willing to take handouts and scheme and do all kind of things, and she was going to forever live in a life of poverty. The one thing she didn't want to do was to get a $7.25 an hour, that's hard to say, minimum wage job. She didn't want to get a minimum wage job. And I told her, I said, but you see, a minimum wage job is not a life sentence. I had a minimum wage job. A lot of people have. You see, a $7.25 an hour job can lead you to the place, if you steward that opportunity well, that they will advance you and you can get a $9 job. And then from a $9 job, you can steward that and you can get you a $12 job. And then you can get a, a 15 and if you keep stewarding that, who knows how far you can go. But if you continue down the road that you are going, the next time I see you, you will be in poverty. And when you die, you will die in poverty. Those are tough truths, right? But that's how the world works. And so we have to steward the things that, that God has given us. And I will tell you that progress is slow and oftentimes you cannot see it. There were times, I think, that Miss Carol would look back, no offense to uh, Robbie and uh, Scott, but she said, you know, sometimes they were a handful. 
And when you're parenting, sometimes you're like, I don't know if I'm passing or failing. I can't tell. And you're not sure if you're doing a good job. But I will tell you that it is not those isolated incidents. It is that whole sum of what you invest. And when we are stewarding and being faithful with the little things of God, oftentimes you cannot see the progress you're making. You can't see how spiritually you're growing, how your mind is being renewed. It's hard to see. But one day you'll look back after a long period of time and you'll go, you know what? I am better off. (laughs) I I, I am better off. My thoughts are better and my life is better and my family is better. And so I would say that what the devil is trying to do is get you to stop. Because he doesn't want you to progress any further. So everything he does is set up to make you want to quit. And so you have to push against that and steward these things. Why? So that not only can we build a life for ourselves, but we build the kingdom of God. When's the last time you thought about building the kingdom of God? You see, what Jesus is saying in this parable that's hard to understand is he said, you people are shrewd when it comes to your own life. Like when it comes to you, you'll find a way. Won't you? Won't people find a way? Like I used to think that if I didn't help people, that people were just going to die and they were going to starve and... And their kids were going to get cold and freeze. And and it would be all my fault. And you know what I found out is people are incredibly resilient. And very clever. They're they're clever. They're they're shrewd. And, And what Jesus is saying is, I just wished as Christians you would be as shrewd as people who are in the world. Now think about that for a minute. When it comes to ourselves and worldly things, we can be quite shrewd. What Jesus is saying is, what if you put some of that attention to advancing the kingdom of God? I want to challenge you today. For those of you who are here, do you have a kingdom mindset? Are you building the kingdom? What does that mean? It just means going wherever it doesn't look like the kingdom and making it look like the kingdom. So if your family is fussing and fighting, you go in and you bring love and you bring forgiveness. That's your part. And you stay at it until things begin to change. If it's not good at your workplace, you go in and you bring Jesus every morning that you come. It it means that in every situation that doesn't look like God, you make it look like God. That's bringing the kingdom. And God says you ought to be shrewd and clever about it. As clever as you would be as if you want something. Like, whatever it is that you wanted for Christmas and you were trying to find a way to get it, you ought to be that clever when it comes to the work of the kingdom. How is it that after we have managed our own thoughts and our own lives, that now we might go and be clever with the resources that God has given us so that we might advance the kingdom? So that one day, when we get to heaven, there'll be some people there who will say, you know what? I learned to pray, Carol, because you taught me how. I, I learned to love the Lord, Jeff Lucas, because you were my youth leader. I learned to, to, to follow Christ even as a youth. Why? Because Leanne Lucas was my kingdom kids teacher when I was five years old. <laughs> I told Leanne, I said, Leanne, we'll never see the fruit of your kingdom kids ministry and those that work in it. For about 10 years until they become teenagers. I honestly believe that some of what we're seeing in our youth is not only the work of our parents, but what Leanne did five and six years ago. She stewarded some kids that God gave her. She didn't care if she had a thousand. She talked to one. 
Some of y'all have been in Kingdom Kids and you've done the same thing. You've done crafts with them. And I would say, you don't realize what you're doing, but you're building the kingdom. So let's be clever. <laughs> and let's see how many we can get into the kingdom. So that when we get up there, a lot of people would say, it was because of you. And God would look at us and say, well done. Well done. <laughs> and then this, and I'll close. I think the greatest way to determine if someone loves God is if you look at their life and it is clearly blessed and they still give all the glory to God. Now, I want to draw a distinction to that. There are a lot of people who will say we need to be careful with worldly riches because it will cause us to go astray. And we know the temptation for that, right? Yeah, we're like the shrewd manager. We don't care about the kingdom of God. We just care about ourselves. And so we're working for ourselves. And we, we develop this kingdom for ourselves but not for God. That's definitely uh, a trap to fall into. But there's another trap which means that just because somebody is poor and broken and things are going bad and they're praising God and they're going to church and all that stuff doesn't mean that they really have a heart for God. Because if you'll notice, there were a lot of people who followed God when they needed food and they needed a miracle and they needed healing and they had leprosy. But just as soon as they got what they came for, they left and never even said thank you. You see, there's nothing particularly beneficial about being poor and you can't really tell if someone is poor and needy, if they really love God or not, or if they're just there until they cannot be poor or not be sick or get their kids out of prison or whatever it may be. So here's what I think is the real mark that we're supposed to pursue is that as believers, we are supposed to be blessed. I think we are. We're supposed to be blessed. Israel was always supposed to be a blessed people because God made a covenant with them and he said, I'm going to bless you. Why? So that you can be a blessing. So I think the greatest measure of spiritual maturity is to look at people who have managed their thoughts well and their life well and their resources well and they have plenty of things. And when you look at them, you say... And they still love God. Israel was supposed to be a blessed people and still cry out, praise God. And when the rest of the world looked at them, they were supposed to say, what is it about you that is different than us? And they would say, Yahweh, God, Jehovah. That is what is different, that God is in us. And that we would draw people not to the blessing, but to the blesser. And so I will tell you that I believe that Christians are supposed to, to be blessed. Now, what level is that? I don't know. It, it probably depends on whatever level you want to be. I'll, I'll close with this story. How many of you know Elon Musk? Not personally. Like, just have heard of him. So he's the, the person over SpaceX, the one who's doing all these rocket launches and things like that. He's also over Tesla. And, and so he has about... Five companies that he runs, He's, he works at two companies 40 hours plus a week. That's 80 plus hours on these two companies, plus these nonprofits that he has. He has six kids. He drives them all to school. I look at his life and I'm like, I don't want to be like him. I, I don't. You know, there are people who are like, I want Elon Musk's money. And I would say, You might want his money, but you don't want how he got his money. You don't want to do all that. 
You don't want to put all that work in. And, and so there's this place at which we are good with what we are designed to be good with. Does that make sense? Like Carol was good with her life. She was like, I did what I wanted to do. I raised my boys and I loved my husband and I poured into youth and my home was a place that people wanted to go to. And she died and she was happy. She said, that's exactly what I wanted to be. Now, some of you may be far more ambitious than that and you'll find your place. It's not that there's this single measure. But I want to I just bring that point home. The greatest way to know if someone is really following Christ is to look at what happens when everything is going good. What happens when it's going good for you? Is that when you turn from God? When it starts going good, is that the time you stop reading? When, you, when it's going good, is that the time you drift away from God? When it's going good, is that the time that you, you don't spend as much time with God? And if it is, I say that's pointing to a problem in our lives. And it is saying that you do not yet know how to steward the gifts of God. And I believe that's something for all of us, right? So here's your assignment. Stand up. I wanna, I'm just going to pray this over you. And this is how we're going to close today. One is... Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now in everyone's mind's eye, they'll begin to think about the things that are right around them. Not the things that they don't have, but the things that they do have. Draw their attention, Lord, to the things that are already in their possession. And then, Lord, help them to see and have a vision for how to steward those things for the kingdom of God. So, Father, if it's a home, how they can turn that place into a, a place of worship and a place of discipleship. If it's a, if it's a dining room table, how they can turn that into the, a place where people are encouraged and loved on. If it's a, a small group of kids, that they can turn them into mighty warriors. God, right now, let us just do an inventory, if we will, a, a year-end inventory. And let, let us be determined, God, to use those things for you. And then, Lord, help us not be afraid of actually being blessed and having things. Because, Lord, I believe the, the truest measure, if we're good stewards of what you've given us, is that when we are blessed and when we feel the most blessed, that'll be the time that we praise you, not the time that we forget you. And so, Lord, maybe some of us have been in that cycle where things go good and we drift from you and, and then we cry out to you to save us because we get in trouble and we run back to you and, and then you, things begin to fall into order. And, but then we drift from you again and we're, we're just like Israel. We're on again and off again and on again and off again. And I pray that in 2021 that we can break that cycle in somebody that is listening today. That, Lord, we'd be a people who we don't have to have everything fall apart and everything get stolen and taken away from us before we cry out to you. Because I'm not even sure that's genuine, God. I'm not even sure we want you. We just want you to fix some stuff. But, God, if we can be blessed and then turn around and bless you, 
Lord, I think that's the measure right there. That says that person knows where their blessings come from. That person knows where all good things come from, that they come from you. And then, Lord, help us as Christians to be a little bit more shrewd. Help us to, to be able to see ways that we can advance the, the kingdom and, and put as much effort into that as we put into advancing our own lives. And then, Lord, let us steward our families and our lives and our thoughts. Because as we think, so we are. And so let us align our thinking to your word. Lord, it all seems like a lot. But if we just begin to steward our thoughts, then Lord, I believe you'll draw our thoughts to you. And you'll make it all work out. So we trust you for that. We want to be a part of it. And if there's anybody in the room or watching that says, yeah, that, that stirred up something in my heart, that's what I want. Then I want you right now just quietly, without even saying a word, just in your inner voice to the Lord, your inner prayer life to say, yeah, God. I want to be able to steward the little things. God, help us steward the little things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.